Acts chapter 4, so hopefully you've made your way there. We're in a study called Forward and Reverse, and so we're, we're looking back at the history of the church, back at our history, right? When you look at your family tree, you don't look back and say that that was somebody's history. You look back and you say, that's my history. We look, we look back because it's history with a purpose. When we look back at the first church, we actually can pull out our marching orders for the future. So we're not just looking at it nostalgically or look at what used to be, but rather we're looking back so that we can actually lean into the future. That this is a living book and we can actually look at what does the future look like for us together on mission for the gospel of Jesus as God's people. We look back to move forward. And what's interesting is as we've come to this, we, we've walked through the first few chapters of Acts and we've watched this church go from 120 people and then Peter preaches a sermon and 3,000 people are added. And then we come to this text in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, and it's adding another 5,000 men, women and children. And so the church kind of explodes because of the move of the Holy Spirit. And what's amazing is all of that happens in the the church is growing and expanding and people are going back to their homes and to their cities. And the, the move of God is literally what started and is the reason you sit here right now. Think about that. That a little group of people in an upper room 2,000 years ago watched Jesus Christ come out of the grave, stand up, ascend back to the Father and ignite what is the church it's why we look back because we say we want to see God move now in the way that he moved then. It's the reason that we talk about leadership. It's the reason we talk about generosity. It's the reason we ask you to pray and give and do all the things we ask you to do. And they were doing the same things because we believe that the work of God happens through the people of God. And so, as this is happening, it's all happening in the midst of a culture, right, that sounds eerily familiar to our own. The Roman Empire uh, was the biggest, most prominent, powerful, prosperous nation in the history of the world. It spanned everything. And they were in charge. Their citizens lived comparatively lavish lifestyles to the rest of the world. They had multiple religions, multiple spiritualities, multiple gods, multiple goddesses. Perhaps their greatest value, depending on who you read, was tolerance. They had widespread sexual sin. All kinds of sexual sin were popular, not only popular, but celebrated. Marriage was a social contract. Women were treated extremely poorly. And adultery within marriage was normal common and they even had child sacrifice so if you didn't like the baby you could kill it and feel fine about it does this sound like anything you've heard of yes or no yeah they're americans <laughs> but here's what's awesome i don't say all that to point fingers at our culture I say all that because here's what's so awesome about looking back to look forward. At looking at our family tree 
to look at our future. Here, here's what's so awesome about that. The church exploded in the middle of that culture. It, it was the reason that Jesus said we could be salt and light in that culture. Because it's light shines brightest where? In the darkness, right? Like if the sun's out and you turn your flashlight on, it's just light. Right? But when your kids are scared in the dark and you show up as their knight in shining armor dad with a massive flashlight that's way too big for the occasion, right? It's like a mag light, you know? You're like, you're like, I'm here. And they're like, daddy. Right? Like, that's what we think about. Like, light shines brightest in the darkness. And so if the Holy Spirit can do it in that culture of great persecution and great suffering and great diversity of thought and wisdom and learning and opposition. If he could work through people in that day for this kind of great mission, he can certainly do the same through us in our day. Do you believe that? I hope you do. But here's the truth. The hard truth is that we will have to suffer Yay. <laughs> You're like, this was going so well. <laughs> we'll have to suffer. Because what happens is, right, it's a law of nature. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? And it's true in the world that we live spiritually. When more people meet Jesus, more critics rise up. When more good things happen, more critics rise up when more people are saved more critics rise up when more changes come more people leave christianity is not easy it wasn't even in the new testament right paul in first timothy one talks about hymenaeus and alexander these two guys that were part of the building of the church and god and paul was counting on them and he says they deserted the faith and i handed them over to satan like ooh. What a thing to be remembered for for the rest of history. But the Bible's not shy about the fact that it was difficult to be a Christian. The Roman Empire would ramp that up to the point where we recognize even the massive symbols that are left today, like the Colosseum where Christians were persecuted for sport. And so we, we get that. We, we see that as the church moves forward in Acts and as the church moves forward in this country right now, in this city of Tampa and Tampa Heights and Seminole Heights and West Tampa and Ebor and South Tampa or wherever you come from in the Tampa Bay area, we recognize the same kinds of movements and we recognize that the same God, the same Lord who is over all can move in great power through you. And so there's great hope as we come to Acts chapter 4 because what we just saw last week, if you missed it, you should catch up because it builds on this week with some practical application of what happened last week. So last week in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John heal a man and he grabs them and says, these guys healed me. And Peter steps up and does the opposite of what I would do, right? Instead of being like, God's awesome, this guy's healed. Give your life to him, right? And giving them a sign that they wanted. What does he do? He gets up and he says, 
I heal this guy, not because I can, but because God can, and you killed Jesus. Like, easy, Pete. Settle, settle down, buddy. That's, that's, not good, uh, that's not good marketing. You're going to burn. No, I'm like, we don't do that, Pete. But why does he do that? And he, and don't you just love that, the end of Acts 3 there where, where Peter looks at the people and he says, you know what? You, you are guilty of that. God's law says you are a sinner. And you're here today. You should know that you're a sinner. But you have a better Savior, right? Because Peter says, if you'll just repent, if you'll just turn, that's a scary word, but all it means is to turn from your sin to Jesus. And if you'll do that, Peter says, there's times of refreshing that come in the presence of the Lord. So if you're seeking today and you don't even know why you're in the room right now, can I suggest to you that if you'll just turn from your way and turn to Jesus, who gave his life for you. Times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord. And so that's where we're at. And don't you know, like clockwork, when God moves and the Spirit moves, the religious people get upset. It's just what happens. It happens in our day when when a move of God happens, people want to be skeptical of the move of God. And it's normally guys like me, (laughs) the pastors, the priests, right? And that's what happens literally in this place. So all these people are believing. All these people are getting saved. And it's not Rome who gets offended. It's the religious establishment. It's the Sadducees, according to the beginning of chapter 4. And so what we saw was, Ordinary Christians going to the temple, they, they heal a guy and Peter preaches and thousands of people get saved and the people in power start to get nervous. It's hard to control 5,000 people. It's hard to tell 5,000 people what to do when they've been radically transformed by the grace and love of Jesus. It was going to affect the way things always were. And so here we are, and this is the place we gather. I read, a, I read a thought that made me wince this week as a pastor. Somebody about this text said, everywhere the disciples went, there were riots. Right? We see that all over the place. And here it's creating turbulence. But this commentator said, everywhere Christians go, nowadays there's conferences. <laughs> I was like, man, I love conferences. <laughs> Don't. Think about it. So that's where the text finds us. But think about Peter in this moment, right? As he just preached and he just saw a great move of God. Peter also knew what it was to cower in fear. Because see, sometimes it's easy for us to think, well, they were Bible guys. Like they're in the Bible. They just had something special that I can't have. (laughs) But it was less than 100 days earlier. Less than 100 days. Just a couple months earlier. In Mark chapter 14, verse 71, 
Peter cusses out a slave girl and denies even knowing Jesus, let alone following him or standing up in this moment to preach the gospel of Jesus. He cussed out a little girl. So we've all felt that tension. No doubt you feel it when you walk onto your college campus or you walk into your place of business or I walk into the businesses that surround here and have a conversation about what we do here. We all feel that tension. Maybe you have a family member who doesn't see things the way you see. We have all felt that tension. Even Peter. But we have great reasons in Acts chapter 4 to feel great boldness and courage in our faith. And so it builds out of chapter 3 and as we stand here before the religious people with Peter and John, there's some powerful things that happen. This won't be on the screen, but I just want to set the context for you. So they drag Peter and John into a meeting before their committee and they say, by what power, this is verse 7, won't be on the screen, but they, they question him and say, by what power and what name have you done this? Who are you? Why are you doing this? Verse 8 tells us that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 10, and this one is on the screen, and I want to read verses 10 to 13 with you. Here's Peter's answer. Filled with the Holy Spirit before these religious leaders. Here's what he says. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man standing here before you healthy. So this is the guy they healed in chapter 3. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you, which has become the cornerstone. And here it is. There's salvation in no one else. This is the song we sang. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And I want to pause right there and just recognize that you're probably here today, most of you anyway, maybe a few of you aren't, but a lot of you are here and you're like, yes, I know that. (laughs) I agree with that or I wouldn't be in church today. But it's a whole different thing for you to believe that than for you to step out and fulfill your call from God to share that, right? There's great difficulty in that. But what Peter is saying is that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can have great boldness to step forward and share that truth. And I want to give you a couple reasons that you can be bold in your faith from the text. I want to give you four if you're taking notes. It's blanks in there. It's a note taker's dream today. Blanks everywhere. All right. But grab those. The, the first one is this. You can be bold because the resurrection of Jesus is true. You can be bold because of the resurrection of Jesus is, too, is true. Under, under that are three things that, that, that I think you need to be equipped with as you have these conversations. Because here's the reality. 
God's not afraid of your questions. You might be way smarter than I am, but I promise you, God's not afraid of your questions. Ask Him. Ask Him. Because the first one under that, you can be bold because the resurrection of Jesus is true, is number one, the empty tomb. The empty tomb is there. And it's real. If you set aside the preconceived notion that miracles aren't possible, then there is as much evidence as any other historical event, and more than most, that Jesus stood up out of that grave and walked out. Credible historical evidence. You can have great confidence that the resurrection of Jesus is true because there is, in fact, an empty tomb. There is record that Jesus gave his life on the cross and took the spear in the side to prove it and was placed in a tomb and was seen three days later by hundreds of people. And it was carefully written down and assembled and we still have it today with great evidence that they were eyewitnesses. That's the second one under number one is eyewitness records. And I'll especially highlight the women. If you're new to the faith, one of the things that was true in ancient times was that women were not treated equally. And in fact, uh, historians tell us that at this time in, in history, the, the testimony of a woman was not admissible in court. It was not admissible in court. It, it, it couldn't even be brought up. And so isn't it just like Jesus to empower the women? Amen? Amen. And we're working on that. I'm trying, we're trying to figure it out. But look at what Jesus did. He appears to who first? Women. Because Jesus knew that 2,000 years later, we would read the story and we would look at that and we would say, Man, isn't that awesome? Isn't that just like God to take those who were underserved and entrust them with the greatest message that had ever been given in the history of the world and in the history of the world future, that it would rest on the testimony of two women? Awesome. And they would go and tell Peter, James, and John, and all the disciples who were doing what? Hiding. Here the women out serving Jesus. Does this sound like anybody, anything today, right? Like the guys are in, in their ivory tower theorizing, right? Like that's what's happening. Like Thomas is like, I'm not even going out there. He's going to have to come to me. At least Peter and John ran and John points out in John's gospel that John was faster, right? Because they're, you know, sons of thunder. That's how he rolled. He also mentioned that he was a disciple whom Jesus loved like he didn't love Peter. Come on. Just love the Bible. But isn't it just like God to entrust that? And here we are 2,000 years later standing on the testimony of those women who walked that empty tomb and were met by an angel of God who said, He's not here, He's risen. And unlike the disciples, the men who didn't believe it till they saw it, these women are like, Incredible! Let's go tell people. It's awesome. Empty tomb eyewitness records. I mean, in literature, there would be no reason to put that in the document if they were trying to create a fanciful account. 
Because women in that culture, it wouldn't have counted. No, no man would have read that in that day and said, oh, that's true. He would have dismissed it. So the fact that that is what we have written down is just another evidence that it was true. And that's not to mention the hundreds of people. I mean, he had breakfast with people on the beach. I mean, if you're going to rise from the dead, wouldn't you go have breakfast on the beach with somebody? I mean, if you went through everything Jesus went through in the Passion Week, like, man, at least uh, at least you can cook some breakfast for me on the beach. Right? We get that. That's why we're in Florida. Eyewitness records. Number three, under, under the first one, the impact on the followers. There's no other explanation for the explosion of the church. I want to encourage you that if you will dig into your relationship with the Lord and into His Word and into prayer, the impact on your life is undeniable. The, the heart transformation, the life change that you will see, it won't make your life easier. In fact, it may make your life harder. But it will make it better to walk with Jesus and to face the things of this world with him. This study in Acts of the exponential growth of perhaps the greatest opposed movement in the history of the world. There's no reason for it not to be wiped out. There was even a period of our of our history where it like survived in Ireland for a time while the world was trying to stamp it out and God preserved it. And there's just amazing stories because for Jesus, death did not have the last word. And for you and I, death does not have the last word. So you'll hear these fun phrases like the best is yet to come. And I would agree in heaven, <laughs> but maybe not here. But you can be bold in your faith because the resurrection of Jesus is true and there are plethora of resources that we can point you to if that's what you want to dig into. It's true. Number two, you can be bold. Why? Because you love your neighbor. Think about the things that happen here in this text. They simply were going to the temple, doing what they were supposed to do, doing what they knew to do, to worship with God's people, to listen to the reading of His Word, to break bread in homes, and they were doing those ordinary things, and God showed up and did an extraordinary thing. Christianity is a call to die. It's a call to die. It's a, we pursue God's glory and others' good. And so even as we as a church begin to think of things that are happening outside of our walls, what does that look like? As we wrestle with these questions, what does it look like for you to pursue God's glory and others' good on your street or in your place of business or at your school or us as a church to look at our city councils and to look at our places and say, where can we, the body of Christ, serve you? These are the questions that Christ followers ask because we love our neighbor. Wouldn't it be great if we weren't known for what we're against as a body? but rather what we're for. Wouldn't that be a flip to the script in our city? Let's pray for that. Truth will meet love when we do it effectively. There's only one way to Jesus, but it's through the love that, that is offered on the cross. So we're not throwing the truth out. 
but we are saying that the truth can meet anybody, anywhere, at any time. We're bold because we love our neighbor. Let's be known by what we're for, not against. Number three, you can be bold because you offer good news. You know, when I think about the things that we can offer people, we can meet tangible needs, but we can also offer good news. We, we live in a world full of bad news. We live in a world full of worry and stress about a million different things. But what we can say is that even though sin has leveled the playing field, we have good news in Jesus that can set you free. Let's share the thing that, that is actually the difference between Christianity and the rest of the world. Because that's what Peter does right in verse 19. It says, Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God or for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's all you have to do. You just speak about what you've seen and heard. If you've seen God work in your life or work in somebody else's life, you just tell your story. This is where I've seen God move. This is what I've seen him do. You don't have to be an apologist and have all the answers. You can just simply say, here's what I know that God has done. Number four, you can be bold because you pray. You can be bold because you pray. Isn't it interesting that in this whole thing, they, they get threatened, the story goes, and told to stop, and they say they can't, but they release them because a guy just got healed can't put somebody in jail for healing somebody. So they release them. And isn't it awesome in verse 23 what they immediately go do? This, this is incredible. After they were released, they went to their own people, the body of Christ, gathered in homes. <laughs> so they were in the temple. They see a ton of people get saved. They get threatened. And then they go meet in homes. It's why we do what we do today. It's why we gather here on Sunday. It's why we go serve our city in the meantime during the week and worship God through that service. And then we meet in homes and city groups. And then we come back on Sunday and we do it all over again because it's the rhythm of God's people that we would be in community. And so here they are. They get released and they go to their own people and report everything that had been said. And when they heard this, don't, don't you just love this? They raise their voices together to God in prayer. Their first reaction is prayer. It's not a last resort. It's a first reaction. Their gut reaction was to speak to God together as the people of God. And so here they are when they heard this, they raised their voice. Master, you are the one who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of our father, David, your servant. Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against the Messiah. That's happening in our day. It's still happening. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. God's still seated on the throne. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant your servants may speak your word with what? All boldness. While you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through 
the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Still going to do all the things the church can do. But check this out in verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they assembled was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. You can be bold in your faith because you pray. Two little blanks there under because you pray that are important for when you pray is this. Two things, that it be educated by Scripture and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Educated by Scripture, empowered by the Holy Spirit when you pray. Because when the church prays, God answers. He does. And so three keys of that in that moment for those people as they were doing is that it was rooted in God's attributes. It's the next blank. It's rooted in God's attributes. They're, they're pushing it back to the Lord. They're praising God for who He is. They're praising God for what He did in the past and asking Him to do it again in the future. So it's rooted in God's attributes, but it's also rooted in Scripture. Don't you love that they quote the Word of God back to God? If you need to see some movement in your prayer life, just grab the book of Psalms and pray it back to God. Find the promises that are given to you in His Word and pray them back to God. Say, God, I believe you and I'm just going to repeat your Word back to you and see movement in your prayer life. You see, because that man who was healed was looking at Peter and John saying, oh my gosh, and they said, no, no, no. Don't get confused by the things that happen here on earth with the things that happen in heaven. God is the center of our attention. So it's rooted in his attributes. It's rooted in his word. And then this last thing on your notes there is that our corporate prayers, our prayers together are missional, not comfortable. They're missional, not comfortable. And that's the hard part, right? listening to a podcast this week and the guy asked if God answered all your prayers I'm sure you've heard this before if God answered all your prayers whose life, whose life would change yours or everybody else's alright you're welcome you feel terrible now see you later <laughs> I did too because when, when, when we're not rooted in the things that God's doing and rooted in other people in the community of God It'd be easy to look at that healing and say, dude, that was awesome. Instead of recognizing what Peter's calling us to recognize. We've seen those things in this body. We've seen God do amazing things. We've seen people saved and baptized. Almost 30 people over the past three years come to Christ and give their life. And many of you sitting right here, right now, that was your story. But it's for mission, not comfort. That man was healed to show the power of God. And so, as we think about that, and as we move into that, I want to pray for that. I want to take time right now, as the people of God, to pray for that. Because, listen to what Romans 8.11 says. It says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who bring life or raise Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal body to life 
through his spirit who what? Lives in you. So if we believe that, we want to pray that back to God. We want to ask God to do in us what he promised to do in us way back then. So we saw it explode in that first church. And according to Romans 8.11, he's willing to do it in your life. 